Chapter 4, Part 9 of the Works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume 10. Ingersoll's Closing Address to the Jury in the Second Star Root Trial, Part 9 of 24. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by William Jones. Part 9. Now for 11b. Quote by the Honorable D. M. Key, Postmaster General. We, the undersigned, citizens of the state of Colorado, residing near and getting our mail at Muddy Creek Post Office on Route 38135 from Pueblo to Greenhorn, respectfully represent interjection by ingersoll i never noticed before that the p is interlined in the word represent i have no doubt that it was done by order of dorsey end of interjection that it is necessary that the service on said route should be increased from two trips per week to six trips per week and a faster schedule this section of the country is being rapidly settled by people of intelligence and we ask the increased service for the benefit of us who have already made our homes here and also as an inducement to others to settle we also request that the schedule time be reduced so as to run from pueblo to greenhorn in eight hours so that citizens along the route may get their mail at a seasonable hour Close quote. i have read the petition as it was in the first place the government tells you that after the petition came here and after it had been submitted to stephen w dorsey he told his clerk to add in the first part of the words on quicker time and yet if he had read the last paragraph he would have seen quicker time was there called for Rurdell says dorsey told him to insert the words on quicker time and when I read this last paragraph to him, he was stuck. Then what did he say? When he got into that little corner and was looking for a mouse hole, he said he didn't read it and didn't know that it was there. Do you believe that a man like Stephen W. Dorsey would deliberately have a petition changed, would deliberately forge a petition, without knowing what was in it and without knowing whether the necessity existed for changing it or not that falsehood has not even a fig leaf to cover its absurdity here is twelve b it would not have taken long to have read that Wordell said dorsey had him put in the words and a faster schedule I will read that last paragraph to that. Quote, we also respectfully request and urge that the running time be reduced so as to run from Pueblo to Greenhorn in eight hours so that citizens along the line may get their mails in a seasonable hour. Close quote. He, says Stephen W. Dorsey, a man of sense, got that petition, read it all over, and then told this fellow to put in 
and a faster schedule. When right in the next paragraph, it asked for eight hours. A man who will swear that way had rather tell a lie on ninety days' credit than to tell the truth for cash. Just look at it. That is what they call a corroboration. The more you look at this testimony, the more absurdities you find. Every truth has an infinite number of signs. Every truth has to fit an infinite number of things. Infinite wisdom could not manufacture a falsehood that would stand the test of investigation. On page 2272, Rodell says, speaking of the three petitions 7b, 11b, and 12b, we, meaning S. W. Dorsey and himself, had examined these petitions together, and he, meaning S. W. Dorsey, told me to put in the clause for expedition. Now, 7b was filed April 18th, that is the day he left for the West, and 12b were filed on the 8th of May. If they had them all at one time together, and if he and Dorsey had talked about them, why were they not filed at the same time? Why was one filed on April 18th and the other two on the 8th of May? That testimony of Rodell's will not do. On page 2279, Rodell says that he found among Dorsey's papers the tabular statement about the middle of April 1879. The first column was the number of the root, the second the termini, in the third the pay, in the fourth the anticipated pay by percentages, and in the fifth the percentage to TJB. Thirty-three and one-third, with the figures carried out at the end of the column. He tells you that he had that tabular statement when he first went to McVeigh. That tabular statement was in the handwriting of S. W. Dorsey. Yet the Attorney General was not satisfied. He wanted that backed up by a book not in the handwriting of S. W. Dorsey. That will not do. Rodell also tells you that at the time he went to the Attorney General, he not only had that tabular statement, but he had a letterpress copy of the original letter that Dorsey wrote to Bosler on the 13th of May, 1879. He had that letter, the original of which was in Dorsey's handwriting, in which he admitted he had paid Brady $20,000. He had the tabular statement in Dorsey's own handwriting in which he was to pay thirty-three and one-third percent to Brady. Yet the Attorney General did not think there was sufficient evidence and said, You had better go to New York and steal a book that Dorsey never wrote a word in. Oh, no, that will not do. On page 2280, Rodell swears that he lost that memorandum. I guess he did. On page 3785, S. W. Dorsey swears that he never made any such memorandum. On page 2280, Rodell swears that he employed Gibbs and wife to make a true and correct copy of the books in March 1880. 
that he was directed by s w dorsey to send him a true transcript of the books in order to settle with bosler and that gibbs and wife copied the journal and leisure and that he sent the copy to new york on page thirty seven eighty eight dorsey swears that he never heard of the employment of gibbs and wife and that he never received any such books or transcripts on page twenty six forty four gibbs swears that his wife copied only the journal not the ledger yet Rodell swears that he copied the journal and the ledger on page twenty six forty four gibbs again swears that Rodell brought him one book what color was it red brown or black Rodell says he took him two red books gibbs swears that he got one brown book or one black book that is what they call corroboration on page twenty three twenty Rodell swears with regard to the paper two a that the words schedule thirteen hours were written by minor if those words schedule thirteen hours were not written by Rodell then they were written by somebody else document two a is here handed to mr ingersoll i guess this is a petition that was fixed up it looks as if it had been to a hospital Rodell says minor wrote the words schedule thirteen hours just look at that word thirteen gentlemen you have no idea how it affects your imagination and brain to be indicted seven times on page twenty two zero nine boone swears with regard to the same paper and the same words that there is nothing in the handwriting to indicate that it was written by minor that it is a backhand a changed handwriting on page forty one eighty six minor swears that it is absolutely not true that the words schedule thirteen hours are absolutely and positively not in his handwriting and further that he never filed the petition gentlemen evidence of handwriting is very unsatisfactory necessarily men do not always write the same the same man does not always write the same hand there is the difference of pen the difference of ink the difference of paper the difference of position and the difference too of the man's feelings at one time he feels in splendid health and at another time he may be tired and worn out the paper may not be in the same position the slope of the desk may be different countless reasons change the handwriting of a person and when a man swears that certain handwriting is or is not another's handwriting he must swear on the general appearance he must swear on the impression that it first makes upon him i know mr smith and i know mr jones but it may be that i could not describe the differences in the faces of the two men so that a stranger could afterwards tell them yet i know them it is the effect of all the features upon me i cannot say it is because of the ear of one or his nose or his mouth i know the combination 
i remember the grouping of the features and the form and it is all i remember if i am shown a paper and asked is that mr smith's handwriting i say it is or i say no why because it looks like it or does not look like it i cannot recognize it because an e is made a certain way or because a d is turned in a certain way because the next day he may turn it the other way you have got to go on the general impression on page twenty three thirty six burdell swears that the oath on route thirty eight one forty marked five e was filled in by s w dorsey that the word twelve was written by him burdell after it was filed and was written because turner told him that the schedule must be twelve hours that turner handed him the oath and he thereupon changed the fifteen to twelve on page thirty three fifty five turner swears that he had no knowledge of any alteration in any affidavit on page thirty seven ninety three s w dorsey swears that he did not know there was any such affidavit and he also frequently swears that he never asked Wardell to change any affidavit that had been filed and that he never gave such orders these gentlemen find one affidavit about which we did not ask mr dorsey particularly and they say you have not contradicted that when a man swears that he never gave an order about any affidavit that covers every affidavit on page twenty three thirty seven burdell swears that the oath marked twenty f on route thirty eight one forty five was filled in by him after it was signed under the direction of s w dorsey on page thirty seven ninety three dorsey denies giving any such directions on page twenty three thirty eight burdell swears that blanks in the oath twenty two f the second oath were filled in by s w dorsey but will not say whether before or after execution on page thirty seven seventy one dorsey says he did not remember doing any such thing but certainly there is no evidence that dorsey did this after the affidavit had been made on page twenty three thirty nine burdell swears that the words ninety six in the petition fourteen h were written by minor boone on page twenty seven o nine declines to say that minor wrote them on page forty two seventy three minor swears that the words are not in his handwriting that he never wrote them on page twenty two ninety eight burdell swears that he signed a check s w dorsey by m c burdell and that he had that check at home it may be that it is one of the checks drawn upon middleton's bank that we could not find on page twenty three forty burdell says that the oath marked eight i on route forty four one forty was filled in by him in washington after it was signed and sworn to under the direction of s w dorsey on page thirty seven ninety two s w dorsey 
denies that he gave any such directions. On page 2342, Burdell swears that S.W. Dorsey signed the name of J.M. Peck to the warrant 55G. I have forgotten the day that that draft was given, but I think it was on the second day of August. It was paid on August 25th, 1880. All I have to say is that there was an abundance of time for that draft to go to New Mexico and to be signed by John M. Peck. There was thousands of time. It makes not the slightest difference who signed the name of John M. Peck to that warrant. The question is, was that money coming to John M. Peck? No, John M. Peck had sold out his interest. He was not entitled to one dollar, and it made no difference who signed his name to the check. Does it show that there was a conspiracy if Dorsey signed his name after Peck had sold out his interest in the roots? Any draft coming to him came to him simply as the trustee, and the draft was for the benefit of the person who bought him out. Suppose Mr. Dorsey had signed his name. Would that prove that there was any conspiracy? It would simply be in accordance with his right as the matter then stood. He was entitled to that draft, and Peck was not entitled to that draft. Why? Because he had bought him out and paid him $10,000 for his interest. That was all. Yet they would claim, if that draft happened to be endorsed by Mr. Dorsey, that it would be evidence of a conspiracy entered into in the fall of 1879. On pages 2348 and 2361, Wordell says that figures were inserted in all affidavits given him by s w dorsey except en route forty one one nineteen and that dorsey told him wordell to put them in the blanks on page thirty seven ninety three s w dorsey denies that on page twenty two twenty three wordell says that in august eighteen seventy eight he had a talk with minor who said that they could do nothing while Boone was in the combination, that Brady was hostile to Boone, and that Boone's place was to be taken by Vail, and that Miner asked his opinion about Vail and asked what Rodell thought about Dorsey's approving it, adding that Vail was very close to Brady. On page 4177, Miner swears that he has no recollection of the conversation and does not believe any such conversation ever occurred. Ah, but they say that when a paper was handed to Mr. Minor, an affidavit, for instance, he could not give you the history of it. He could not tell you where he was when he wrote it. He could not tell you where he was when he filled it. I would not have believed his testimony if he could. He had to take care of some ninety-six routes. Upon these routes there were numberless papers, notices from the department, notices of fines and deductions, of remissions, and everything of that kind. 
On each route there were probably a hundred papers, and maybe more, petitions, affidavit, and papers of all descriptions. If a man should stand up here five years afterward and pretend that he knew the history of each paper, I would know that he had not the slightest regard for the truth. Mr. Miners said, when he was shown a paper, I don't remember ever having seen that paper before. I don't remember when it was written. That was the truth. If he had wished to stain his heart with perjury, he would have said, Yes, I remember it. I know absolutely the time I wrote it. I know I sent it to New Mexico. I know it was filled up before it was sworn to. But he was honest enough, and he was brave enough to face the truth and say, I don't remember. And I respected him for it when he did it. Whenever you hear the truth, as a rule, the first thought is, maybe it won't do. But if it is the truth, the longer you think about it, the better it seems. While if it's a lie, the longer you think about it, the worse it gets. It would have been, apparently, to Mr. Miner's interests to say, I remember it perfectly. But the man had honor enough to tell the truth. And when you come to investigate his evidence, it sounds much better than though he had pretended to remember time and place. I call your attention to page 2446. That is about the affidavit. On page 2384, Burdell speaks of the charges made to Samuel Jones and James B. Belford for $2,000. Then Mr. Bliss, in his speech, which I will come to after a while, says that Mr. Burdell spoke about a charge to J.B.B. He never did. Never. He said James B. Belford. I started the J.B.B. business. I was the first one who ever said it. And Mr. Burdell never swore J.B.B. Then they sent out to Denver to get a fellow who had the same initials. I will come to this man after a while. On pages 2429 and 2430, Burdell swears that he had two balance sheets of the books made by Donnelly, that he showed them to McVeigh and Woodward. How does it happen that Woodward was not sworn about it? Nothing would have been of more importance if they wish to prove the existence of the two red books, than to prove by Woodward that Mr. Burdell in June 1881 showed him copies of those balance sheets or the balance sheets themselves. They did not bring Mr. Woodward to the stand. Why? Mr. Woodward, in my judgment, had he come upon the stand, would have sworn to the truth. Burdell says, I do not know where they are. Then he paused. Then I saw the working of his mind just as plainly as though his skull had been opened. He got himself together and swore that he gave them to Dorsey in July 1882. He had to get them out of his hands some way. On page 3736, S.W. Dorsey swears that 
e Rodell did not give him any balance sheets on page twenty four thirty four Rodell swears as to the papers he gave to dorsey the original journal and copy of the organ correspondence made by miss nettie l white miss white was not called he gave these he says to dorsey july thirteenth eighteen eighty two on page twenty seven ninety three dorsey swears that he did not give them to him nor did he give a paper of any kind on page twenty four sixty one burdell is asked if he did not admit to judge carpenter in january eighteen eighty two that he had a memorandum written by himself which he showed to james and mcveigh and that he made it so much like dorsey's handwriting that he did not think anybody could tell it what was his answer i may have done so honest man on page twenty four sixty two in answer to the question did you not tell carpenter that you brought no book from new york the honest man answered very likely i said i brought no book over from new york on the same page in answer to the question did you not tell french that you were trying to entrap james he admits that it is likely he was on page twenty four sixty three he admits that he may have told french that he had learned to imitate the handwriting of dorsey so well that dorsey himself could not tell the imitation and that he wrote that memorandum in pencil because he could the more easily deceive honest man mr bliss holds s w dorsey up to scorn because he endeavored to turn the two men out of the cabinet on the testimony of Rodell. and yet he is trying to put four men in the penitentiary on the same oath do you not think that it is better to get a man out of the cabinet than to put another into the penitentiary and do you not think it is better that a man be put out of office than that he be put into the penitentiary his family destroyed and his home left to ruin upon the oath of a man who swears that the oath was a lie dorsey was an awfully wicked man to try to get mr mcveigh out of office on burdell's testimony but now they turn around and want to put mr vale and mr minor into the penitentiary on the same testimony the other testimony was the best because we did not promise him immunity i will come to it after a while on page twenty four sixty five burdell swears that he did not have any pencil memorandum that he showed to mcveigh claiming that it was in the handwriting of dorsey and was asked did you not tell bosler that you had what does he say possibly i did did you not tell bosler that you wrote it possibly i did s w dorsey swears on page thirty eight ten that burdell told bosler that it was in the waste basket and bosler took the pieces out and put them together burdell says he had written it 
and in pencil so that it would look more like Dorsey's handwriting. Why did you not ask Bosler about it, gentlemen, when you had him on the stand to prove your letter? Even Mr. Bliss in his speech asked, Why didn't they call Bosler? Why didn't you have the fairness to tell all the circumstances? I will tell them all when I get to that part of it. Why did you not tell them that you had looked all through Mr. Bosler's books? On page 2466, Rodell swears that he did not get that memorandum out of the wastebasket, but got a note from McVeigh, and that Dorsey was present. On page 3810, Dorsey swears that it was a pencil memorandum imitating his, Dorsey's, hand closely. On page 2466, Verdell admits that he very likely told Bosler in June 1881 that he had no book on the train and brought none from New York. In answer to my question, he says, Possibly I did, or probably I did, tell Bosler. I cannot bring other witnesses to contradict him when he admits that he did. That is enough for me. On page 2467, he admits that he very likely told Judge Wilson about the affidavit. That if he told him anything, he told him that no such book existed, and that there was no necessity for any book except an expense book. On page 2469, Rodell swears that he had a copy of the Daybook and Ledger in June 1881 in Dorsey's office, that Dorsey took them that day, and that they had been there ever since they were made to be carried to Congress. Then he began to gather his ideas, and he says, Hold on, I am mistaken. Those books were all sent over to New York before that, in the summer of 1880, when I carried the originals over for the last settlement I was present at, between Dorsey and Bosler. There was no settlement in 1880, the time he speaks of. Mr. Merrick then says, Question, there were two sets of those copies? That would be four copies and two originals? Answer, no, sir. On page 3955, S.W. Dorsey swears that he had the first settlement with Bosler in December 1879, or January 1880, and had no subsequent adjustment until November or December 1882. No settlement between those dates. Yet Burdell says that he took those books over in the summer of 1880 for a settlement, when there was no settlement, and at the same time carried the originals. A moment before he had sworn that the originals were there in the office in June 1881. On page 2470, Burdell swears that he did not give the books to Dorsey in 1881. On page 2447, he swears that he did not have the balance sheet in New York, that he had it in the office in June 1881. On page 2479, Wardell, in speaking of the pencil memorandum, was cornered, caught. He said, 
I have kept it as a voucher. Then finally he admits that it was not his property, but was the property of Dorsey, and the last admission he made upon that subject was, I stole it. He says that while he was in jail, somebody got into the office and destroyed his papers. And yet, on page 2480, he tells that the first time it ever occurred to him to use that pencil memorandum was after the first trial was over. Can you believe that? He was trying to steal it on the 13th of July, 1882, was trying to go over to the government on the 5th day of July, 1882, and did not think that he had that pencil memorandum? Writing a letter on that day to Dorsey, giving him notice that he was going to desert him, saying in that very letter that he had been persuaded by Bosler to make the first affidavit, saying that he was making preparations to go to the government, was going to set himself right, and yet did not remember the pencil memorandum? Why? Because he manufactured it afterward. He says that within a day or two after he was out of jail, he found this paper a second time. He found it before, and laid it carefully away as a voucher. Then he lost sight of it. Then he was trying to sell it to the government, and he forgot about it. Trying to blackmail Bosler and Dorsey, and forgot about it. When he got out of jail, he found it. That will not do. How does he say it got to his house? His wife carried it from the office while he was in jail. And yet he would have us believe that Dorsey broke into that office and stole all the papers. And yet he says that was in the office, and Dorsey did not take it. It will not do. He manufactured that paper after that time. On page 2481, Burdell swears that he did not know that he had that paper at that time, at the time he says his wife got the papers. Well, I say he did not. I say he made it afterward. On page 2490, Burdell swears that he had those red books in the office at 1121 I Street that he never made any effort to conceal them. And yet Kellogg never saw one of those books, never saw Burdell working upon them, and never saw them in the office. On page 2491, Burdell swears that he thinks Kellogg did some work on those red books, that Kellogg helped him, Burdell, make the first entries. On page 3636, Kellogg swears not only that he did not help him to make those entries, but positively swears that he never even saw any such books. On page 3635, Kellogg swears positively that Burdell did not keep any books, but a private expense book and root book, and that he, Kellogg, never saw any other books that he never saw a ledger or journal in red leather kept by Rodell. He swears that he himself kept the three books, the journal, ledger, and cash book, and that Rodell never made an entry in them. 
on page twenty five twelve burdell swears that he never imitated dorsey's handwriting or tried to in kellogg's presence on page thirty six thirty six kellogg swears that he saw him do it on the same page twenty five twelve burdell swears that he never signed dorsey's name to show kellogg that he could imitate it on page thirty six thirty six Kellogg swears that he did do it. I have just given you a few, gentlemen, of the corroborations of this man Rodell. Recollect that you cannot believe him unless he is corroborated. If you believe him at all, you have got to believe all, unless you believe that he is mistaken. Where a man comes on the stand as an informer, and I do not call him an informer, even in that capacity he has to be taken altogether or not at all. This ends chapter 4, part 9 of 24.